Trumas Perktes, Mishnah Dalet 9.4. This Mishnah discusses the issue of, in general, when one plants produce that is restricted in some way, what is the status of the new growths that come from those seeds? So we start out with the topic of Truma, because that's been a topic for, of course, Olam Sechta and this parak also, the growths that come from Truma. Um, and we'll discuss in the first part of the Mishnah the status of those growths, as well as a, a subsequent generation, meaning the, I'll call it the grandchildren of the original truma, the wheat kernels you planted. Um, but the Mishnah has two other parts to it. I think here it, there's so many details, it's just important to get the structure first. So of the three parts of the Mishnah, the first talks about the status of the children and the grandchildren, let's call them, of truma seeds that you plant. The second part discusses other types of restricted produce, where it co- goes in being restricted, and the question is, what comes out of the ground, new growths, is that restricted or unrestricted, and how? And that second section will be talking specifically about the kinds of things that you plant in the ground that are zaro kale. That means that the, the seed totally decomposes in the ground before the new growth happens. Um, <clears throat> and for those things, we'll say um, that the new growths are lenient. Treated, I mean, they're, they're unrestricted. And the third part of the mission will discuss other types of uh, pl- of restrictions that are that are applicable to both zarakala and enozarakala, meaning even more lenient. Yet we'll say that these restrictions um, don't persist in the what grows out of the ground from the plants that were restricted, the seeds that were restricted, and that it it applies equally to foods, uh, seeds, I should say, that totally decompose, as well as other things, let's say like a bulb, like an onion bulb that you put in the ground, which doesn't decompose. The onion bulb persists, and growth keeps on coming out of that bulb. But even there, in the third section of those restrictions, that list, um, so those are even more lenient, and we'll say that despite the fact that it didn't totally decompose, still what grows off the ground is unrestricted. So again, <clears throat> part one discusses the children and grandchildren of Truma, and we'll say that is restricted, um, at least for, for one generation. The second section will talk about six different types of restrictions where we're going to say that it's not restricted if it's zarokale, if the seeds decompose, but it would be restricted implicitly um, if, meaning the mission is not explicit about it in this Mishnah, but it would be restricted if you had planted a bulb, the type, types of foods that have bulbs. And the third section will say these restrictions are lost from the second in the second generation whether what you plant are seeds or bulbs. Okay, let's see inside. The Mishnah says, Gedule truma truma. Step one is the granddaddy of this, which is, of the whole peric, which is the rule that second generation truma is truma. What I mean by that is this. If you have a truma seed and you plant in the ground, what comes out of the ground is truma all over again. Gedule truma, the growths from truma, are truma, are still truma. That, of course, as we said the past three Mishnahs already, is a dindarabanan. That notwithstanding, gedule gedulhen, the grandchildren, as opposed to the children, meaning if you take a truma seed, you put that in the ground, what comes out is still truma madurban. If you take what came out of the ground and put that back in the ground, so then the the third generation, we'll call it, is uh, chulen, meaning it's not restricted as truma, it's generic tevel. As I said in the previous Mishnahis, chulen here means as opposed to truma, but of course it's not chulen in that it doesn't need to be tithed, it certainly still doesn't need to be tithed, it does need to be tithed as uh, generic tevel. Okay, now part two of the Mishnah will discuss six different types of restricted foods where if you plant them with seeds in the ground, what comes out is unrestricted. Again, this list is only applicable to seeds but not bulbs. 
So we say aval. However, as opposed to truma, which gedule truma are still truma, these restricted foods are not restricted. And what are they? Aval tevel. If you plant tevel, I'll, I'll explain the whole list after. Let me read the whole sentence. Aval tevel rishon usfiche shvius utrumas chutzlarts vameduma vabikurim gedulein chulin. For those six things, what comes out the ground is unrestricted. So the first item on the list is tevel. So tevel means generic untied food, um, which of course, what comes out of the ground is tevel also. The difference here is, and this is important to get um, this Mishnah because we're going to revisit it in subsequent Mishnayas, tevel, you'll recall, is permitted to be eaten without being tithed, derech arai, in a casual way. Achilas arai, if you just snack on something and a non-formal consumption, then one may eat that tevel uh, without tithing it. Once, however, gemar malacha has happened, the finishing of the processing of this produce, and it's applicable, it's been brought inside the house, um, then now achilas arai, casual eating, snacking, becomes forbidden, and one must only, one may only eat this produce, the tevel, after it's been tithed. So let's say you had wheat, which had finished being processed, gemar malacha. So now the, re- the wheat is tevel wheat, which is restricted, because achilas arai is now forbidden. Nevertheless, if you plant that wheat in the ground, the Mishnah is saying what comes out of the ground is unrestricted, and one could once again eat that second-generation wheat without first tithing it, if he's eating it awry, in a casual, snacky way. The second case is umaisa rishon. Umaisa rishon is the, is the um, first tithe that's given to a levy. So again, um, it's not supposed to be... It's restricted to levihim. But let's say you give it to a levy and he plants it in the ground, so what comes out of the ground is not considered to be miser, meaning even a non-levy could eat it. Next, and in those two cases, by the way, it's worth pointing out, as the Bartonura does, that um, there is an element of truma still embedded in, in those things, meaning tevel has truma, miser, excuse me, truma gadol to be taken from it still, um, and miser shall has truma's miser to be taken from it. And nevertheless, since that's the minority of the constituents of this of Tevel and Maiserishon, the rabbis were lenient and did not apply the rule of Gedule Truma Truma to these foods, meaning that since it's only a minority Truma embedded inside these foods, the rabbis didn't say that it's restricted when it comes out the ground. The next case here is Sviche Shvius. You recall from Masecha Shvius, which we just finished, the previous Masechta, that um, uh, things that are had to replant it every year. If they grew naturally, they're called svichen. If they just they grew because the you know the wind blew some seeds or something, um, and the Torah pro- permits one to eat those natural growing foods, like wheat that grew by itself. Um, however, the rabbis forbade it as svichen because people were cheating the system and they were cultivating intentionally and planting, let's say wheat, and then saying, oh, this is just svichen wheat. Um, so svichen are restricted midrabanan. If one, however, takes Svichen wheat and plants in the ground, so then the growths that come out of it are permitted. That's what the Mishnah is saying here. Svichen shvius are not restricted. They're chulen, meaning that although one couldn't eat the Svichen, one could plant them and uh, and get the, what comes out the ground is a clean slate. Just worth pointing out here that we're not talking, of course, about planting those Svichen, those seeds, on the Shemitah year. That's prohibited all to itself because of the halachas of Shemitah. You can't plant on Shemitah. But if you save those Svichen until the eighth year and plant them then, what comes out of the ground is not restricted. The rabbis didn't seem see fit to restrict it because it's just such a uncommon 
situation in the first place and, and in general the rabbis did not make Isuri the on uncommon far out scenarios like Svichai Shvias. Okay, the fourth item is Utrumas Chutzla Arts. So we've said already a few times that outside of Eretz Yisrael, there's a requirement still in Rabbanan to take Truma on the neighboring countries, meaning what's today Jordan, which is Amun Moab, as well as what's today um, Lebanon, Assyria, Syria, as well as, as um, Egypt, Mitzrayim, and Bavel, modern-day Iraq. All those areas are required to be the produce has to be tithed midirabun, at least in the time of the Mishnah. Um, and if one took those those trumas and planted them, notwithstanding the fact that Gdule Truma Truma, that normally there's a din that if you plant Truma, as the first part of the Mishnah said, what comes out remains Truma. Um, but but even this which is mid, since this is just Midurabun and the rabbis were lenient and didn't say it should be Truma. Now the Bartonor doesn't say that exactly. The Bartonor says something quite unusual. He says that it's because, just like Sviche Shvias are uncommon, um, so too Trumas Chutzlarts is also um, really uncommon. Now, obviously, if you live in Bavel and everything has to be tithed, so in Bavel, Truma is not uncommon. It's as common as it is in Eretz Yisrael. It's everything has to be tithed. So many explain that the shot here is that this whole discussion is only happening in Eretz Yisrael, meaning in Eretz Yisrael, where we treat Gedulei Truma as Truma, and only in Eretz Yisrael, that's how the explanation is, since it's not very common to find Truma that came from Chutzlarts, the rabbis weren't goes on it. And so according to that shot, this whole setup of Gedulei Truma being Truma would only apply um, in Eretz Yisrael, and we're lenient with with Truma that came from Chutzlarts, because it's just Medurbana and uncommon. The fourth item on the list is Vahamaduma. Meduma is a mixture, you recall, of chulun and truma together. So again, as we actually saw previously in the Masechta, since Meduma is just Medurabanan, still treated as, as strictures of truma, mixed in, but Meduraisa, since it's a majority chulun, it's really batal Meduraisa, batal Merov, and it's chulun Meduraisa, we're lenient over here. Again, notwithstanding the fact that that um, there is some truma here, but since it's it's batal, we will not be strict. I'm reminding you again in the middle of the section. This section here is talking about these items, these six items on the list, and we just had five so far, are only applying to things that are zaro kala, where the seed totally dissolves in the ground and decomposes. It will not be applicable to onions. So later on we'll see, and we actually saw previously in the Masechta, if you plant maduma onions in the ground, what comes out of the ground remains restricted. Okay. And finally, vahbikurim. The sixth item is bikurim. Those are the first fruits in Eretz Yisrael. Um, if you have any of the seven species by which Eretz Yisrael is praised growing. Um, that's um, wheat, barley, as well as olives, dates, grapes, figs, and pomegranates. If you have those, what happens is, if you're a farmer, you've got a pomegranate tree. When you see your first pomegranates blossoming on the tree, you'll put a little red string around them. Um, and then and then when they come to maturity, you'll take those first few pomegranates you marked off and um, bring them to the base of Mikdash to be waved over there and given to the Kwanim. The Kwanim will eat them um, as truma, like truma. As I said in the Hakdama to the um, there are four things that have truma status truma gadola, truma smeiser, chala, which is from the dough, and bikurim. Here's bikurim making its appearance. So, again, bikurim might be truma like, and yet we are being lenient and we're saying if one plants that bikurim pomegranate, what grows from it, or one plants that bikurim, the bikurim wheat, what grows from it, 
is going to be um, unrestricted. Um, again, the reason why the Bartanura says is because in a Mitsuyim, it's just very uncommon to deal with the plantings of Bikurim. So the rabbis didn't restrict um, the second generation offspring of that. Okay, so that's the second section of the Mishnah, those six things where provided Zarokala, the seeds decompose, what comes out the ground is unrestricted, despite the fact that the original seed was restricted. The third part of the Mishnah now talks about um, two categories of foods which are restricted, and they are not restricted when they come out the ground in second generation, whether they were Zarokala seeds or even bulbs. And those two things are Gedule Hektesh and Meiser Shani. The growths of Hektesh, meaning if you had Hektesh, Wheat. You had some wheat, you dedicated it to the base of Mikdash, you were you were mocked it, you gave it for Bedeka bias that the base of Mikdash should have an acid it could you know it could monetize. If those seeds got planted in the ground, what comes out of the ground is unrestricted. And same goes for Meister Shani, that is the second tide you're supposed to eat in Yushalayim. Um but <clears throat> if you if you uh plant them in the ground instead. What comes out the ground is unrestricted. It can be eaten in, even outside of Yushalayim. Now, I made a bit of a mistake. I have to confess here when I started this this Mishnah, but I'm going to pick up the pieces right now. I had said a couple times in the first few Mishnahites of the Perak that when I get to the uh, fourth Mishnah, which we, here we are, I would explain more fully the rationale behind the Dindra button of Gedulei Truma Truma. Um, let me now explain that, um, which will also be useful in understanding why it doesn't apply here at all. <clears throat> to Gedulei Hektish and Meister Shani. There's a famous Gemara in the second parak of Masech Shabbos that talks about how one time uh, Basil and Beishamai went to go visit uh, a certain person who was in an attic. The exact scenario there is a bit of a machlokus for Shonim, it doesn't matter. He was up in the attic, they went to visit him, he was doing something, and they discovered that although they had a, a, a quorum like a Sanhedrin to Paskin, it turned out that sort of like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, they had a quorum, and yet the majority of the members present in that collection of people were from Beis Shammai. Um, so Beis Shammai took the opportunity to to bring up uh, and, and enact 18 different um, Durbanans that I guess had been long-time hobby horses of, of Beis Shammai, but they just couldn't kind of pass them through legislation because the majority of the Sanhedrin was Beis Hillel. Um, and those 18 enactments um, became like these famous 18. On Daf Yudzain of Masech Shabbos, we have one of the 18 being that Gedulei Truma Truma, that if one plants Truma, what comes out is Truma, the topic of our whole parak over here. Um, so all, pretty much all of the 18 had to do with Tuma and Tahara issues, pretty much all. Um, and this is one of those also. So here was the, here was the rationale of Beis Shammai. Shammai was afraid that a Kohen who got truma, let's say wheat kernels, um, who's supposed to eat those wheat kernels, if those wheat became tame, so then he no longer could eat them. And his only option would be to burn them. He has to destroy them. He can't eat them anymore. But he could have a plan B. He could um, take those wheat kernels, put them in the ground, and then grow a whole new wheat crop. And the wheat crop would be a clean slate, would be chulen, wouldn't have any restrictions of truma. So that would work. The problem is that Beishamah was afraid that if a person, if a Kohen would retain tummy wheat kernels in his house until the time to plant comes around, and you can only plant once a year in the planting season, you know, around Tishrei, so um, he would inadvertently come to eat those wheat kernels. Remember, the houses were small, wheat is not just seed but food, 
and you're living with, you know, with forbidden food in your kitchen the whole year long, it's a, it's a disaster waiting to happen. So Beishama said, if we make it that there's no economic incentive for people to retain their wheat that became tame as truma, um, then they won't retain it. They'll just get rid of it, and then that will avert the inadvertent uh, consumption of tame truma wheat. So what do they do? They said, listen, if you plant your truma, then what comes out the ground remains truma. And that totally um, undercut any you know, uh, economic justification for retaining your wheat kernels, because as we've said a few times already, um, the going rate for wheat when it's truma is just a tiny fraction of the going weight of, of wheat when it's chulin, because only kohanim can eat the wheat if it's truma, and even only a ko, uh, tahor kohen could eat that wheat because it's truma. So no kohen in his right mind, if he owned a field, um, would would use that field to cultivate truma wheat, which is really sort of economically inferior. So that was the plan, and, and that's what's really driving this whole peric. Um, so the legislation came through when they voted and found themselves in the majority, and Beishama did, and Beisilel saw that it was appropriate to keep it that way, and then certainly they did not overrule um, those 18 in the next uh, the next time that they convened the Sanhedrin and found themselves, Beisilel found themselves back in the majority. So that re- sticks around as being, those 18 stick around as being Halakha Lamaisa, basically, um, and this is one of those. So back to our Mishnah over here. When it comes to gedu- the last part here, Gedule Hektish and Meiser Shani, the growths from Hektish, produce you gave to the base of Mikdash, as well as a Meiser Shani that you're supposed to eat in Yerushalayim. So here, there was, there's no real reason in the first place why a person would plant those seeds as opposed to give them to the base of Mikdash or as opposed to um, you know, uh, eat them in Yerushalayim. First of all, there is no one told me it to be Makdish in the first place. Um, second of all, um, if he's going to, so he could, always, if he wanted those particular seeds for some reason, he could always just redeem them. He could just buy them back. Um, and the same with the Meister Shani. So this is his produce, and he has to eat in Yerushalayim. If he plants in the ground, so good he sidesteps going to Yerushalayim, but he could always just redeem them on coins anyways, um, and then he could not have the problem. So that being the case, the Mishnah says 